This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Hi, everybody. It's John Hall, the senior editor of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. And I'm at one of the many, many, many Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant locations. And across from me is Mark Edelson, who is one of the founders of the brewery. And I guess the brew pub chain, as it yes. were. Yeah. So we're going to talk about brew pubs. We're going to talk about uh, expansion plans. We're going to talk about uh, what a difference 20 plus years can make uh, in this overall Absolutely. industry. But first, I want to thank our sponsors who make these episodes possible. As the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling, G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, reliability, and dedication to their customers' craft. Thinking outside of the box, whether it's a simple relocation of the utility connections for a complex buildup or ground-level design and engineering, G&D is ready to meet the challenge. Contact G&D Chillers today at 1-800-555-0973, or you can reach out online at gdchillers.com. Mention this podcast, the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine podcast, and receive up to $1,000 worth of glycol with the purchase of any new G&D chiller. And also, Tavor makes it possible to access and discover the highest-rated craft beers from all over the world through the free mobile app, Twice a day, you can get access to new limited beer from an independent craft brewer. Imagine sipping a vanilla ice cream stout from Wild Leap Brewing Company in Georgia or Juicy Bits IPA from Weldworks in Colorado. Join the independent beer community today and get $10 in beer with the code BREWING uh, when you go to their website, tavur.com. Mark Edelson, you've been in this for... Gosh, more than 20 years now. 23 years. And you were a homebrewer before that. I was. And we have a lot of listeners who are homebrewers and a lot of folks who are, who are thinking about going pro. What was your aha moment when you were in the garage, in the basement, in the kitchen, doing five-gallon batches when you and your buddies finally got together and they said, you know, like, let, let, let's make a go of this? Because 96, when, when the first of the Iron Hills opened was a totally different landscape and arguably a little bit harder than it might be today. Sure. You know, definitely, uh, I, I think the proliferation of breweries that you've seen has been because the, uh, the barriers to get in are much lower than they used to be. And so, um, but, you know, when we were home brewers, um, my aha was because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot going on in Philadelphia back in the late 80s, right? And so... Um, I attended a, um, so we were homebrewing with my, who's my current partner, and uh, I had attended an alumni event uh, in Wilmington, because I was a graduate of uh, University of Pennsylvania, so we had a chapter down there, and they had a, a beer tasting event, and uh, they invited a guy called Jeff Ware, Okay, if you remember Jeff, <laughs> he's the founder of Doc Street, yeah. right, he and Rosemary, he was married to Rosemary yeah. at the time. And he and and Dock Street was on the market as a contract brew, and he rolled out these blueprints for this thing he wanted to build called a brew pub, in the middle of Philadelphia, right? And I looked at this thing and I said, "Wow, look at that, right? This, you know, a restaurant with a brewery right in it, this small brewery." And I was just fascinated by it. And uh, you know, we continued to be home brewers, and and my partner and I really were thinking about it and thinking about it, and you know, you get that tired of what you're doing thing and and why don't you do something that you're passionate about yeah 
And I think that's how it starts for just about everybody. The interesting thing, though, is when you think about the brewpub model, it's something that today's generation largely shies away from. They say, okay, we want to be a beer manufacturer. Maybe we'll bring in uh, taco trucks. We'll bring in food trucks. Sure. We want to be a, a, a production brewery uh, with a tap room. 96 was such a different time, though, in, I mean, we weren't even using the word craft at this point. It was no. still microbrew yes. at that, at that yes. point. You needed, not necessarily needed, but it, I think it probably helped to have a restaurant component to get people through the door to then introduce them to the beers that you were making in-house. Absolutely, and it's, it's funny because I, I think what we were committed to doing from the beginning, because if, if you think about brew pubs, and I'll, I'll just talk about the people's perception of brew pubs over time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people always thought of brew pubs back then as having great beer and having food was not their focus. Right. And, you know, when we went in, we were very committed. And my third partner is a restaurateur. And we were very, very committed to say, we're going to be a great restaurant. Right. That's how we're going to differentiate uh, is that people shouldn't just have to um, compromise on the food to come in. Like, ah, we'll just live with the food. And so, you know, from the beginning, we've always said we're a restaurant, you know, and um, and, you know, 70 percent of our sales are food sales. Sure. Um, which is different than tap rooms and tasting rooms. And so, um, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you know, and... and uh, that math checks out, yeah. Yes. And so, uh, and that, that's maintained there that, you know, it, it, if you came in and didn't like beer, you're going to have a great experience from the food and all the other products that we, you know, and our differentiator from other restaurants is that we make our own beer and we make great beer. And so... That's really what we wanted, how we wanted to differentiate in the beginning, and that really set us apart, and uh, that continues to set us apart. Do you think of it as two separate entities under the same roof, or are there... No, no, not at all. It's very integrated. It has to be, you know. Why? Um, Why does it have to be? Well, I, I, because, uh, you know, you, you're looking for the customer, the whole experience, right? And they shouldn't have two different experiences, right? So... Table side, the employees should know a lot about beer, right? We, one of the biggest compliments we get all the time is our server knowledge. And one of the most frustrating things I have going into other brew pubs is a server who tells me, well, I don't really like beer, so I don't know much about it. And I, I'm always like, I, I'm not interested in what your particular likes and dislikes are. I want to know about your products. Yeah. And so... Um, and we, but, but at the same time, we like to take our servers who come in, I don't say this anymore, but they came in as, they don't drink craft beer at all. Now, more younger people do. I, I imagine, but, yeah. But, we tie, but they become huge craft beer fans. We really convert them. And, uh, and when they're craft beer fans, you know, they sell more, right? So this is the interesting, and I, I'm jumping ahead from where, from where I wanted to go, but, but 1,400 uh, full-time and part-time uh, employees right now in your... And there's 18 locations, right? So it started... Uh, 16. 16, I'm sorry. But Two with more the, are yeah, in the works right now. So more, soon to okay. Be. Yes. Uh, so 16 altogether in Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, uh, South Carolina, right. and going into to Georgia yes. fairly soon. Um, so, so spread out all throughout the East Coast, yes. uh, more or less. Um, 
but 1,400 employees. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed when I walk into to breweries, much like you, or tap rooms, or, or small places where, you know, I'll say to folks, you know, what can you tell me about this? And, oh, it's a lager. Oh, it's our, it's a, it's a good seller. Sure. You know, and there, and there's nothing behind it. Sure. When you have that many people, and when you have a place where the customer interaction, where people are consciously coming in to sit down, maybe they're with you know mm-hmm. their family, maybe they're on a date, maybe they're by, whatever it is, um, they're expecting a certain level of restaurant service. Yes, it's one thing to know the specials of the day. It's another thing to know that, yes, the kitchen can prepare this without peanuts or, you know, whatever, to add on that level of beer afterwards. What goes into employee training? Because well, it's all and, under and one the, roof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the important thing, of course, is having a brewer on site. Okay. Right? So you have a resident expert and you ask, you know, back circling back to the original question, which was the, you know, are they two separate entities? And they cannot be, right? So the brewer is a member of the staff here too, and that's his primary one of his primary jobs, aside from making great beer, is to educate the staff and to get that. We always say your job is to get the staff excited about beer, right? And there's a lot of ways to do that, and one of them, of course, is is educating them on beer, and they have to know about beer and and getting people in front of beer, and and really appreciating the beer, and that's something that the brewer, a passionate brewer, has to do. You know, it's not. You know, we look for a different personality in our breweries, I have to say. You know, um, not the guy that just wants to, or uh, guy or gal that yeah. wants to just brew beer and leave for the day, right? It, it has to be somebody that can engage the staff and can engage customers as well. And, and that's an important part of what they're required to do is that because, again, it's not, I'm not just pushing beer through the wall, right? I'm, I'm integrated in this whole customer experience about beer, right? I, we, we can't give them partial experience. It's all, you know, the hospitality is so competitive, and it's more competitive these days than it, I have to say, in the 23 years. I mean, there's more restaurants than there ever has been. And so I would say the population hasn't increased as much as by that, although more people are eating out. But we're all vying for better experiences. You know, we're really trying to give people better experiences, and it's all about that. And we need a brewer who also can add to that experience, not just with the product. So how do you find somebody like that? Because, yeah. I, I mean, I know some brewers who like to come in at 6 a.m., sure. they mash in, they do the thing, and then, you know, and maybe they'll have a beer at the, at the bar, and then, yeah, but they're mostly gone. They're, it it yeah. can be a very and, and solitary... Yeah, and that's not really I mean how do we find that I you know that's like every job within the restaurant right how do you find the best but we do hire a lot from within we always have traditionally done that um, and, and, and that's in what ways though if, if there's somebody who is a server or somebody who wants to or is yeah, bartending or, or kitchen employee or okay, anybody. Yeah. so it, it's interesting because and so I would say at least half our staff has been promoted from within right really yeah and um, and that started a couple of years ago because People from the outside would, I, I get inundated, as you can imagine, with emails saying, hey, I'd love to work in a brewery. I don't have any experience, or I'm a home brewer, yeah. and, and love to come to work for you, right? And you say, and, I'd love to let you wash some cakes. And, and yeah. so my, my response to that is that, look, we only hire from the outside people with experience or education professionally, right? But we do hire internally. So if you're interested, come get a job at Iron Hill. And if 
if we notice you and you're a good employee, you have a high, you have a good opportunity to get into the brewery. How and many so people actually follow up on that? Because do a lot. Really? I, it, it, after a while, it's, it's interesting. After a while, I just did it. I'll be honest. I just did it to get people off my back. Because I imagine cause and, that would be and, a thing. And, like, and if I wanted to be response. a brewer and I read that, I'd be like, I don't want to well, bar but back. You know what? Yeah. But, but, but that's how almost all of our staff, a lot of our staff was in reaction to that. They said, okay. I come in, they get a server job. And I would started to get um, emails from some of our uh, general managers saying, hey, just to let you know, there's a there's somebody on my staff and they're doing really well but they told me the only reason they joined Iron Hill was to eventually get in the brewery so I just wanted to let you know and all, this started popping up all over the place and started to hear that and I'm like okay and um, and so yeah we have a lot of people who come in and say you know I want to be successful at this portion and so you know restaurant work is hard work and yeah brewery work is hard work and so it's great because you get to see people in action and find out if you know if they're lazy or <laughs> you know and uh, and so we get a good look at them in the brewery side and can make some decisions it's so hard to hire from the outside no matter what job because you're in an hour interview and 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 you know maybe do some background or you know call some reference checks but that's all you have it's much well, easier to make a decision with somebody who's been working for you for six months or a year you know, uh, and it can take that long. I mean, it, it, but that's sort of the difference—the difference between when you first started and now as well. There's more people. This is an industry that people are aware of now. It's no longer on the fringes. We're sure, going to hit eight thousand breweries in the country, well, of I, which you're a fairly decent percentage of. Um, but, but you know what? You have to weed through with that. And you're right. Is um, boy, I always thought it'd be cool to brew, right? Because we get a lot of that, right? right? And that's okay. Everybody thinks it's cool to brew, but, you know, here's what we, you know, we invite a lot of people to actually come in and brew with us, especially employees, to see, you know, 70% of brewing is scrubbing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just yeah. to be clear, yeah. right? There's no real way aware on that, so. Uh, and I imagine you're, you don't have too many automated brew houses in your, no, uh, yeah, no, so there's a lot of no. shoveling grain, there's a it's, lot it's of, all, yeah. Yes. It's all handcrafted. (laughs) (laughs) But that, to me, I think sort of speaks to holding on to an era of the industry that a lot of folks either don't remember because Mm. they turned 21 well after uh, you you first started um, and just aren't exposed to these days because it's not the model that exists. Sure, exactly. And you brought up a good point that's interesting is that we have employees and and customers who do not know a world without craft beer. Sure, you know, and that's a complete shift. Yeah, like said, I mean, people growing days. up and saying, "Oh, my dad only drank Sierra Nevada Pale Ale," or "My dad only drank Sam Adams." Like sure. that's foreign to me, even. But yeah, yeah th- but there's certainly folks who come in these days who yeah, who know absolutely. that. When you're talking to brewers, though, because with 16 locations, with the Iron Hill brand that exists, there has to be certain specs that you want to hit. There has to be, okay, like we're going to do this or we're going to, you know, I'm sure you have employee handbooks now. You can't be your size and just sort of sure, shoot no, from the hip anymore. Not at all. Um, 
and there have to be people who come in who say, okay, I want to do a batshit crazy, you know, banana tropical stout, or you know, uh, you know, Trillium just did this, sure. and I want to try my exactly. try my hands on. And and you have this sort of Cheshire Cat grin right now, where like like you get it, but you're also like. Yeah, well, but like, let's learn how to make lagers first, or let's learn how to, yeah. Absolutely, and we, you know, I think from the techno, so I'm an engineer by trade, so okay. things are very, I like technical, I like black and white, and you know, I'm, but, but I'm very passionate about brewing, so, you know, very early on, as we got past four and five locations, we said, we got to get our hands around this on the brewery side and put in a lot more procedures and protocols. And I come, I came out of the pharmaceutical industry, which just... It's pretty regimented. Yeah, it's very yeah. regimented. So I have a background in... The margins in, are lower in, in beer, in, but yeah. Yes, in regimen, uh, in a production environment. I, you know, I ran the manufacturing department of a pharmaceutical plant. So that kind of was always in my nature. So it was easy to kind of, to put some fences around that. Sure. But the other thing you talk about is is uh, is what you make, and um, you know I think one of the things that we're very proud of from the brewery side is that you know we have our signature beers, our six signature beers, which are the same in every brewery. But which are what? Um, Do you know I'm off the top yeah, of your head? So I'm putting our, you on the spot it's here. It's our Iron Hill Light Lager. It's our Vienna Lager. So two of our signature beers are lagers. It's our Pig Iron Porter. Uh, it's our Orhouse IPA, and it's our White Iron Wit and our Whitberry. And so, and we maintain a list of about 15 products, right, which is a lot for brew pub. Yeah. And uh, I'll talk about that later. But yeah. That's, but, um, and then the rest of it is somewhat up to the brewer to decide. I mean, if we're doing, like, we're going to have Pumpkin Ale and Oktoberfest on next month, and it's what everybody has to because you know what you're crazy if you don't right so you, you're 100 percent crazy <laughs> yeah. if you don't so yeah. we make those decisions because those are company-wide promotions to do that um but after that we kind of you know now we used to freehand say whatever right and and that we reined in a little bit because was it, it starting to get just like well, out of control is, or well, was no, it no but this is you know we part of what we have to teach them is to be good business people too right because they have to run the business, the beer business portion of it, right? And the business part of it is you have to brew beers that people want to buy, right? It really makes no sense for us to brew something that people won't buy. From a, from a sales standpoint, from a freshness standpoint, all of that. And so you have to make some good decisions around that. So where we land recently is in the last year and a half is that we kind of have a template of what they should have on. They should have on so many IPA, and it changes over time, have to have a New England IPA on, right? Now, we have a couple company-wide recipes, and you're crazy right now if you don't have Philly Special on going into the Eagle season. But, uh, you know... And, and you know that was the sound to, of three quarters of the country <laughs> turning this podcast off. So thanks very much. That's uh, yeah. And so um, and so there's so we give them guidance around that. That hey, look, here's the slots you have to fill. Yeah. Because this is what we're seeing in the marketplace as the ideal list. And so they either can use company recipes or create their own recipes around that. And and you know we do some review of those recipes, and it, it allows us to. One, do more product development because some of these recipes that come out are stunning, 
They really are. And then we, we look to adopt those maybe as company-wide recipes, make them available to people. So if somebody does one here, so we're in Maple Shade, New sure. Jersey right now. So mm-hmm. if somebody does one here and you taste it, the rest of the team tastes it, and you're like, holy crap, this is, this yeah, is, this is something else. Yeah, and that's how it happens, too. Is, is, is that really well, how it works? Well, we're drinking the Rhine's Maiden. We are, which is, yeah. And, which, is, which is a wonderful German Pilsner. Yes. And uh, by uh, one of our assistant brewers here, and she put it together, and it's... Uh, it, it, it's great. I had it uh, in another restaurant, um, the same recipe, and uh, it, it was so tasty. And, uh, and and so those are the ones where you go, wow, this is great. You we got to get I, it out there. Boy, I, you know, I wish I could say that I've tasted every seasonal that's out there in rotation all the That'd time. Quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a lot. So we rely on our regional brewers and people to kind of bubble that up and say, hey, you need to taste this. And I'll go and taste it and say, you know, so we look for those ahas. And I look at sales, too. Look, customers tell us what they like with what they buy. I, I see reports every morning that tell me what customers like, you know. And so we can tell. So we, it's a, we're, as we've gotten bigger, we're very uh, driven by data, which is great. I, I love that because as an engineer, I sure. love data. But, you know, with, uh, you know, with mid-sized companies now, it just with all of IT, uh, small companies can have data at their fingertips and should use it more. And we use data a lot, and we use velocity of products, and we look at it, and we use that to educate our our brewers because sometimes it's this beer they made, they're so passionate about it, and it's great. And I'm like, it is great, but we're never going to brew it again. <laughs> Because, because it just it, look, it sits I, for you know, yeah. If you're the only one I, drinking it post shift, we have some brewers that are passionate about English beers, and I'm sorry to say, but nobody. <sighs> I, I you same thing. I no, love, of course. Yeah. I love an English mild, but nobody is drinking English mild. Yeah, they will sit in a tank for, and that's a shame because they're such, you know, uh, the subtle beers sometimes have been lost in recent years. Yeah, and uh, and and they're harder to make. And uh, and and they're wonderful products, but you know we've got we've got drinkers right now wanting the punch in the face of flavor, and so uh, you know so you know you have to look at you have to look at the business side. We're trying to teach everybody look at the business side of things. You know, there's always going to be a slow seller. We have sour beers on; they're still wonderful, but still people aren't embracing them completely. All right, I want to touch on that in just sure. a minute. Um, this is from Hops Direct. Five generations of hops grown in Yakima Valley, Washington, sold directly from their farm to you. Skip the middleman and go for the farm fresh green. Their hops are harvested, processed, and kept in cold storages on their farm until sh- shipping straight to you. That lager's starting to hit me now. Find 100-plus domestic and imported varieties in pellet and leaf year-round on their website by the pound at wholesale pricing. Thanks for supporting family-owned and shopping small, it's a big deal. You can visit hopsdirect.com. You can email them at info at hopsdirect.com or find them on social media at hopsdirect. And also, balancing barley and hops is your expertise, brewers. And for Clarion Lubricants, food-grade lubricants is theirs. The team at Clarion knows that when it comes to making great beer, you're the expert. And when it comes to supplying food-grade lubricants backed by service-oriented professionals, they're the experts. Clarion will work with you to create an efficient lubrication program that helps you protect your brewery. To speak with an expert, dial 1-855-MY-CLARION. That's 1-855-692-5274 
or visit clarionlubricants.com. Clarion Lubricants, the experts that experts trust. The thing about brew pubs, uh, Mark Edelson of Iron Hill, as we as, as we sit here, that I, I came up in the era of, of drinking where I was more often going to brew pubs than not. Mm-hmm. And when I, I, I talk about this in, in, in uh, Drink Beer, Think Beer, my book of... Uh, being a young reporter and trying to find the brew pubs because one, I could get a better meal than I could at other places, mm-hmm. uh, like the Applebee's at the Holiday Inn lobby, sure. um, uh, and it was also like sort of a local gathering place as well. So it was like your local tavern in a way where mm-hmm. you could also just get fresh made beer on site. The data part of it is really interesting because to me because. In those days when I would walk in, there would always be a Hefeweizen. There'd always be a blonde ale. There were there's no lagers back then. It was sure. always just it was all ales straight off the bat because that's what was available mm-hmm. to to the brewers uh, to make. And lagering space didn't exist. And you know, and, sure. I, and I also think that there's such a a push from let's get away from Bud Miller Coors and they're known for lager and pilsners and let's focus on ales which could seem exotic and now we're sort of coming back where I imagine that there's a lot of people who walk into your 16 locations and you know soon to be 18 and you're hoping 20 by 20 and Mm -hmm. I want to get to that in just a minute who walk in and still say what's your closest thing to Miller Light your Coors Light Mm -hmm. Bud Light etc and to grow I imagine you had data that said, okay, like we need to bring loggers into the fold. We need to be making these. We need to be. Well, interesting. So we always started, one of the things we started from the beginning is to differentiate is we're always going to have a logger on tap, right? Because brew pubs, like you said, didn't have loggers. Yeah. And it, I, you know, that became an excuse, I think, for brew pubs uh, to turn beers faster. I mean, you can put capacity in and deal. And we did, right? And, well, I was going to say, because that's a financial have, commitment where you just have beer sitting sure, for a couple is, of extra weeks. Sure, it is, but you have to weeks. look at the backside of the equation is that drives sales too, right? Because like you said, yeah. if we're going to be a restaurant, right, where it, it, it's, you know, 70% driven by food, think about it. 45% of all beer sold in America is a low-calorie beer, right? So... If we're going to be a restaurant, what are those drinkers going to drink, right? Now, in the beginning, we did a, we did a Hellas, and we had a, a, a light ale, but we eventually went to a light lager, and um, it, a lot of brew pubs would carry national brands, right, to do that. And we had a, we always said we're not we're carrying only our beer, That's and we have it. Gu- and we have guest beers in guest craft beers all okay. the time because we want to support the industry or if we do events but we don't have national brands in and you can't just not fill that slot and so we brew a light lager uh, it's now, a big seller on, when, for when you say national brands that you're talking about that don't fit into the ba definition or are you yeah talking when like, i say national yeah. brands i mean bud miller course okay right? okay and so because like Sierra um, and, and Sam that, and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, right? I should stop that because that's changed now because the craft brewers, there are, there are craft brewers that are now national yeah. brands. And but, you're in but how many states are growing? Yes. Like it's, you know, but yeah. historically, we would refer to national brands as the national brands, sure. which are the, the, the big three. And so, and then Heineken in there. And so um, we said we need, we're going to brew it ourselves. And, uh, and, and people come in and say, what do, you ha- do you have a... You have a Miller Lite. No, we don't, but here's our light lager. Why don't you try this? And so we just don't want to alien. That's why we have full liquor licenses. That's why we serve wine. That's why we serve liquor. 
Because the wine drinker, if you're going to make the dining choice and three of the four people drink beer and one drinks wine, you're not coming to Iron Hill if we don't have wine, right? So, so we, we try to make sure that we give, it's experiential, we give the full experience to it. You know, the majority of 70-some percent of the alcohol we sell is beer. Yeah. Right? So... Is it so? So seventy yeah. percent of of alcohol, of alcohol is, is still the yeah. beer, and it's it's the majority of that is your beer. It's all our beer. Okay. Well, when you have other yeah, so if we have other well, outside it's, brands, it, it, it's yeah, a small yeah, percentage very, of that. Yeah, of that know, we'll 70. be doing an event or something like that. But you've also had to evolve as well because what I find interesting when I walk into brew pubs from that started in your era mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think you guys are stuck in the past by any means because like you, you have been looking forward but there are brew pubs that started in the late 90s where you walk in and it's here's our stout recipe that we've been making since and here's our six the beers Clinton on administration tap. exactly and, and, and every time and, I walk in I can set my watch to exactly what it's yes. going to be and, and, and so but I have a New England IPA in front of me that I'm enjoying so that you're making. We, we learned a couple of things. One was, we look, we had the six or seven beers on tap when we first opened, right? And that's what we maintained for a little while because that's all we quote unquote could do, right? <laughs> but look, when you have beer bars opening that are carrying 50, 60, and 100, which yeah. I disagree with, because they're still selling the same 20 beers. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, no, there's a lot of beers sitting in lines yes, there. Yeah. The brewers cringe at this. <laughs> and, um, but what we said is if across the street they have, let's just say, 25 to 30 beers, they have world-class beers across the street, right? Craft brewers available and a huge variety. And what are we doing? Right? And, and we really had to make a shift to say we have to put more beers on tap. Now, we live in kegs like crazy right now to do it, but yeah. you know our brewers jump through hoops to do it. We have 15 beers on. And, and that's what I feel when you saw our list at the bar there. And you, when, when customers look up at that, I feel like after 15, they just get confused. So we try to keep it tight enough that they can see something they like but have a lot of choice and feel like a choice, you know. When people say 100, that's the wow factor. They get a lot of credit for the wow factor. People love, I always say this, people love choice, but they hate to choose. Yeah. Right? So I love 100, but I'm still drinking Sierra Nevada Pell. 100%, yeah. I I walk into those places, and I always ask the bartender, what's the beer that you just most recently tapped? Because I know that that's going to be the freshest keg Uh there, and I'm just going to go for that for one, and then I'm probably going to going to leave afterwards so this brings up sort of an interesting thing though about the rise of the beer bars as well because Mm -hmm. in 96 if you wanted to drink craft beer if you wanted to drink microbrew you had to go to the place where it was manufactured and now an Applebee's will open up down the street and they're going to have dogfish or Sam or they're going to have whoever on like because it's just sort of part of the general consciousness Mm -hmm. When you have 16 locations now, you don't necessarily even have to worry about those places like the, the Applebee's mm-hmm. or the local no. restaurant down the street. You also have to worry about your own individual footprint. Yes. So when you are planning expansion, when you're thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you obviously have to abide by local laws as well. Pennsylvania is a little bit more liberal where you can open up more spaces. We love Pennsylvania. Jer- yeah, Jersey's holding you guys back, and I'm sorry about that. It's, I, We're I, done in New Jersey. We can talk about that Two and done? Later. Yeah, no, we'll talk yeah. about that at the bar. Yeah. It's... Um, 
Uh, I don't need the ABC on my back, man. And, um, but, but, you know, going into Georgia where the laws have changed, going into South Carolina where they've popped the cap, where all of these different things are happening, you have to... I imagine you must have a, a, a map on your office wall that has radiuses that exist saying, okay, we're doing really well here, or we're thinking about going here, but we can't get this close to this location, or maybe uh, yeah, we can, and that, like, sure, maybe this place absolutely. isn't all that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because I mean, there's strategic growth that comes yes. that's not necessarily like a, a full-on distribution brewery where it's like, okay, let's get into as many markets with as many distributors as possible because you guys are a little bit different with the beers that you are and putting up because they're coming from individual locations. And from our real estate strategy, I mean, obviously we've populated the Philly market pretty well with what we do. And so yeah. we're looking, instead of a strategy like a Craftworks, which puts a single location in cities all over the place, right? So... Um, you know, Who is Craftworks? Uh, Craftworks is uh, Rock Bottom and Gordon Beers. Okay, right? all right. And so I didn't know that that was the parent um, company. And, and so um, you know they'll be in this city and that city, and and that was yeah. uh, you know a kind of a standard strategy for a lot of different uh, restaurant groups. Yeah. We, you know our strategy currently is that we're going to go into a market and then we're going to open a few of them, right? That way we get synergy from a lot of things, from the brewing, from the marketing, from the reputation. You know, it's particularly markets that we like. So, you know, we're in the South. We're in South Carolina. We're looking very heavily. Uh, North Carolina was one of the areas we first started looking in, but the site really came up in South Carolina. And and we've got one announced in Georgia, but uh, in Atlanta, but we're looking very closely at another one. Yeah. And so um, in the South, you know, we just, we kind of skipped D.C. right now. we're still looking at that market pretty heavily, but I feel like we're in Manhattan when I look at the real estate costs of Northern Virginia. 100%, yeah. <laughs> but the South is wonderful. And you're I not mean, in Manhattan and, either, and, but no, yeah. And we're not. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I, uh, There's nobody but, in Manhattan uh, right now, but no. yeah. And, uh, no, we're not really looking north right now. I mean, you've got <laughs> New York right above us. Yeah. And that's, that's just such a tough market. But uh, the South is wonderful, and, and the South has evolved craft beer-wise tremendously in the last decade. It really has. And so, um, yeah, a lot of great beer drinkers, a lot of, you know, for us, there's a lot of relocation people, you know, especially from our area where our headquarters is in Wilmington, down in Charlotte. Um, you know, so many of the B of A uh, people that are in Wilmington are in Charlotte yeah. know, half the month. And so uh, we have a lot of brand recognition down there in some aspects of it, but also, just the marketplace is terrific. It really is expanding and growing. And, um, I mean, look at what Southern Tier and Victory did. I mean, they plopped a, a big facility right, right, down in, there. right in South yeah. Charlotte, right? They get that, too. They see the same things that we're seeing. So um, when you look at some of these real estate moves, you get what everybody is seeing uh, about where craft beer is expanding. Because it's not just about the beer, but it's also about the chance to make the impression on people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and the thing that I find really interesting, especially from the brew pub model, which I, I know that, again, there's so many of the newer brewers who are coming out who don't want the restaurant aspect of mm-hmm. it. But this, for me, in many ways, is ground zero of beer education. If, if craft is 13% of the overall marketplace right now, you need a place where people can come in, get a burger, 
order a glass of wine if they want. Maybe find something else, you know, if, sure. if, if they're not into it. But also have that sort of hand-holding education that exists. And that comes back to beer being a business, not necessarily, you know, a straight-up passion project. Because I think passion's Absolutely. important. Yes. But if you're not thinking about... It, it, people don't always talk about real estate um, in the terms that you just did. Mm. So I'm, no, you yeah. have to look at it like a business. And, and I think, I'm, you know, we're going to have a shakeout. You think so? <laughs> in the next five years, sure. You think Absolutely. so? Why? Absolutely. I think a couple of reasons. You're going to see a, a, just a, a general slowdown of things. We're starting to see it anyway, right? Um, and so once a slowdown starts, and maybe not a decrease, but just a slowdown. I mean, we saw it in the late 90s, right? So inevitably it will start slowing a little bit the problem is from a business standpoint is as that starts to squeeze a little bit the good business people will come through and the ones that aren't good at business will struggle and not know what to do and 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 you know a lot of people are making money right now in spite of themselves that's just that's any industry that's any business that's what happened in the late 90s in craft right it was never everyone say the bubble popped the bubble never popped it it slowed down um, the good thing about it is what happened is the consumers cleaned out the poor producers, um, and there was more for the rest of us. It really was it was terrific, and you know <laughs> to say right? Yeah, no. But <laughs> and we just move in on the rest of the. You yeah. know, like I said, people are still drinking beer and still drinking craft beer, and there's just more for the rest of us that we're running our businesses right. And I talk to people about this all the time. So the pinch will come again, and when consumers look i i hate to say this but there's some everybody's making beer right now there's yeah. some wonderful new producers out there and there's some terrible producers oh yeah out i've, there. I've and, said and that on everybody the show. Yeah. and everybody's selling beer but when when things start drying up consumers will move to the good producers and not the bad producers and 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 people that are even making great beer but not running their business right are going to struggle. And that's it's just a normal business cycle. And understanding more uh, about that is pretty important. So your company has talked about 20 breweries by 2020. Sure. It, it, it's this big marketing push that I keep getting from your folks. Of yeah, like, right. you know, And the Brewers Association, years ago, Kim Jordan stood on stage at the Craft Brewers I Conference, know. and you were a board member. I was a board uh, member. At, we, at the time. I, I remember going in the meeting, setting up that, you know, 20, you know, the 20 percent. 20%, 20% of, of beer yeah. volume, not yes. beer sales, but beer volume yes. by 2020. 20 by 20. And, and that was... we're at 13% in August right now of sure. 2019. It's not going to happen. It, it, it struck me as sort of, I don't know, is it Icarus? Is it, is it, is it? Uh, uh, for for us, well, for us, uh, well, well, yeah, for you, one because if 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 a contraction is coming, mm-hmm. you're going to have to look at the overall marketplace and say, okay, like, all right, we have 16, 18, 20 places. Well, uh, do you have I, those, do you have those look, thoughts of like, I, okay, I, if I'm something gonna, doesn't perform, we let, have to close it. Let, let's. So the restaurant industry does not move the same way that the craft beer industry or the beer industry in general okay and just having been you know a retail restaurant is a portion of that market but that market has a lot of other moving parts in it and yeah. so 
when we look at how well we do, if you, t if you put the Iron Hill cycle up against the craft beer cycle, it, it doesn't match at all. Okay. But if you put it up against the restaurant cycle, it completely matches it, right? So, uh, you know, what happens in craft beer doesn't uh, immediately translate into the restaurant industry, right? Uh, the restaurant industry sees upturns and downturns based on a lot of other things other than people drinking craft beer. And we kind of wax and wane with, with that. So that's where we keep an eye on what's happening with that. Um, but the same thing happens in the restaurant business. You know, there's a lot of restaurants out there, but who's creating the right experiences, right? Um, why, you know, and it, it's not just about the products. The products are important. The service is important. But the whole experience is important. You know, we're doing renovations in a lot of our locations to not so, be as tired and old as, you know, it... Because the number of restaurants that, that exist where you walk in and it feels like just like you did when you were a kid and your parents were going yeah, there and you're... you're it, it, we have restaurants that are 23 years old, so yeah. We, so we you have, have to, to put a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. You have to rethink... The way that things go, uh, you know, and it's beyond a fresh coat of paint kind okay. of thing. We we're spending significant money in some of our stores to renovate them and to make them fresh again and to start to appeal to a different crowd than we did twenty or younger crowd, I should say, than we did twenty three years ago. Because you're right, sometimes we're looked at as, oh, that's my parents' place, right? And that's, you know. I'm in the parents' age, and, you know, we're all getting older, but how do we, we're all looking at how, business people are all trying to figure out Xers and, and millennials and, and what they want, and how do we sell stuff to them, right? And so, but that's because we're in business, right? And that's got to be a tough conversation to have. Is there is there a certain level of, at some point, you just kind of have to trust in the people that are around you, even if it goes against what you personally think or what you got into years ago because you've been a brewer long enough. You've been in this, this sort of regimented world long enough where, you know, it's what well, we've always done. Yeah. You know, this. yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. So, um, as you know, we brought on, um, a private equity group. Uh, yes. Three years ago now. And, uh, that's been wonderful for us, but that's a you know, and M right. Yes, yeah. But what's, and, and last year we, um, we brought in a new CEO, who um, has been tremendous. And, you know, we, the only thing that we knew uh, running a restaurant business was Iron Hill, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot more out there. And so we've really brought in a lot of outside people with experience outside of Iron Hill to really open our eyes up about what's possible in the restaurant industry. And so, yeah, we were always stuck. At our, our CEO went around for the first couple of months and just asked people about stuff. And he said, the response I always got the most of, well, that's the way we've always done it, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and so what's been refreshing is a relook at that stuff and some of the simplest stuff, you know? Like what? Changing what's uniforms. It? We got rid of the placemat. Remember the old placemat we always had, you know, no. with the beer process on it? Oh, sure, and, yeah. And, right? Now it's painted on the wall. And, yeah. and now it's painted on the wall, and we've lost placemats because that's just not the look that we're, you know, and we have the rolled... Uh, silver in linen. Yeah. I mean, those are small little things, but it, it, it raises the level of, of what customers see and it changes us a little bit and in a better direction, I think, to what we're trying to get. And so it's, but when you've looked at it, when you looked at it for 23 years and it's the same, you know, you get used to it. And yeah. so fresh eyes are, are tremendous for uh, an organization that has, as 
been around as long as ours. And so, like you said, I, New England IPA is a great example of it for me, right? I, I was like, what? We are not brewing this stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like, that cloudy stuff? Come yeah. on. Just because you don't have a filter, you're serving me that, right? And, um, and I fought it. I am no longer fighting these things, right? I, Do you drink it, though? Oh, yeah, I love it. Do you? When they're well-made, okay. when they're juicy, when they are truly juicy. Look, there's a, there's a lot of people putting cloudy beer in glasses. Uh-huh. I would say 40%. Shouldn't be putting it in glasses, sure. right? Um, and uh, but some of it is fantastic. Where I was like, oh, we need to make it like this. And and what we've decided is, as we go into these products, that we're going to work hard to make sure it's the best, and then get that information out to our brewers in the field. And and this is how we're going to do it. So our New England IPAs are stunning. They really are. And. Um, and that's what we're going to do with that. And I have to tell you, we sell, but, and again, back to the customers let us know what they want. Well, that's, because that's what I was going to say. We have to have one on. We have, we're crazy not But I imagine one. you have 23-year-olds who walk in, and I just had the, the and, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek, I imagine, with you guys, the hipster uh, IPA as well. And there's a, a whole <laughs> thing on your website of, like, the hipster starter kit, which you get a can of this and some skinny jeans yep. and a uh-huh. bolo tie and, you know, <laughs> wag, mustache wax or something like that, which which sort of shows me, like, where you still kind of think of this beer is, like, it's, it's, it's something that is not necessarily sure. where you started from. And you know, I, yes, it, and it isn't where we started yeah. from. But, I, you know, again, I, and, and I talked to a lot of our, you know, we have a small group in Philadelphia, the Brotherly Suds, right? And, yeah. And it's the whole group of us that started in the late 90s, right? And a couple, and we don't get together enough, but once a year we get together and brew. Sure. And a couple of years ago, we were talking about these cloudy beers, and everybody was like, oh, my God, I'm not making that, right? And it's just, now we're all making now them. Now you're all making them. Now we're all making them. But yours get, from, from what I could tell, at least from drinking this, was yours gets hit by a filter. Like there, there's there's some like this wasn't no, necessarily no. like the or you're just letting it drop out a little bit. You're just it letting dry, it, you know, I don't okay. know, over time with that or, or things like that. But it's not as super hazy as some get as but, some, you know. as some of the others. But it, it, I imagine that has to straddle the worlds that you live in, right? Sure. Because there are the parents who still walk in who might hear about their kids drinking hazy IPAs, and this might be a good gateway for them sure. versus like the kids walking in and being like, well. You know, I can't rub my finger through this and not yeah. come out with with, with not, sediment kind of thing. <laughs> the role of being, though, in many ways, a gateway brewery, because of the restaurant, because sure. of the longevity, that's got to be something that's part of not only the legacy but the future as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we um, we're not going to be the complete innovator and have some style on that's because our our our. Uh, let me give you an example. All so right. uh, earlier this year, we did milkshake IPAs, right? And we put Tunnel them on a couple. Yeah, Tunnel, exactly, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I tasted some, and they were great. They were just exactly what is being put out there. Now, hold but, on. When you say that you did, you did some of them, did you put it out to your different brewers saying, well, let's so, do well, this? Well, they asked that they, if they could do okay. that. Okay, so multiple like, ah, locations right, asked. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, you know. And I said, all right, if we're going to do this, let's – you know, let's see the research. What are people doing with it? And, um, and let's see what, what is going on with it. And so we put some out there, but, you know, our, our customers just are like, what is this? You know, in general, again, 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's the gateway thing is that, and so while New England IPAs are selling like crazy, the bulk of some of our, our customer base has no idea what that is. Whereas in the garage brewery up the street, they have four of them on. Right. right? And so. And they're moving fast. And they're moving. I, yeah. I assume they're moving fast. And so that's why they have four on. Right. And so, <laughs> and so I, um, I'm like, all right, we're trying this for now. Let's, let's park this until, until either it catches up or it's not a thing anymore. And, yeah. you know, and we're doing brood IPAs, which are getting a little bit of legs, but again, you think that, so? Uh, we see a little bit of it, but, you know, again, that's specialty. So we try to stay in the fringes of what is popping up uh, in there and making sure that we're in the game because we relate to the New England IPA. And that was my fault as, a, as overseeing of the brewery. And I said, we're not going to do that again. We need to stay on the edge. Right. right? If we're going to appeal to youngers, we have to be there with our products, but we're we're not we're not creating all of a sudden this new product with that because again, you look at who's walking in the door with a restaurant. You know, it, it's it's a wide and diverse population. So it, it it's more keeping up than necessarily like I think it's keeping up. Yeah. It, it, well, it's being right on the curve. Okay. I, I would say. And with so many different brewers, you have the opportunity for sure. that, especially Absolutely. where what's playing in Atlanta right now might be different than what's Absolutely. playing in the Philly area. Yep. And, and, and we see that in South Carolina. You know, yeah, our you? brewer down there who's from up here, you know, it, the, the, what is um, – they're loving sours down there. Right? Sure. Which is unique, right? Is that and, a tough sell for food, though? What's that? Sours. Well, you know what? Yeah, and I think overall, traditional sours as we know them, sure. right, and which we've won medals at GABF for them, right, are still tough for in general for customers and our customers. But the kettle sours that we're doing, especially fruited ones, are wonderful, right? Or more, I always like to say they're tart rather than sour. Sure. Everybody has to have one on, right? It's one of our requirements because we sell the heck out of them. We really do. It appeals to... Uh, some of our customer base that is more of the wine or cider drinker and they love them. And, and that so, comes with the education as well of yeah, pushing absolutely. people towards. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I don't like beer. How about you try this? In fact, I found myself doing it at a party recently this summer because I had our... You were uh, that guy at the party. Yeah. I, well, people expect you to <laughs> be, right? Around, yeah. Like yeah. if I don't show up with That's the beer, parties anymore. I'm like, ugh. Like, you didn't bring beer? I'm like, all right, I guess I'm bringing beer to everything because that's what everyone expects me to. So especially family parties, they expect it. And I have it out there, and I have, you know, people, are, they, are my relatives really going to like sour beer? And so I brought a little red wagon, uh, which has strawberry rhubarb in it, right? And so they're like, wow, this is great. The people who traditionally, I just give it to them, and they're drinking it all afternoon. So... It's interesting that you're going to parties and people are asking you about beer as opposed to have you made a hard seltzer yet? We have one in development right do now. Do you? We do. You have to, right? Yeah. You know, again, you think about it, I'd say five years ago, I would say I would have said, no, absolutely not. But I think everybody would have. When you look at, well, first of all, legally, all our breweries can make them. Sure. Right? Um, and we had this discussion. We had a board meeting discussion about this because I wrote out that we're we're putting, we have some in, in development. So again, and was that coming from customer feedback as well of like, Hey, do you have a, I, you know, tap I, or do I'll you have be a- honest with you. Um, I've not heard people tell me that, but I look at the marketplace and I look at the sales and I look at, you know, white claw, I mean, which is, uh, uh, look, it's something uh, like up 300% from last year. Uh, yeah, like the and, numbers are just well, bananas. You know, and they yeah. found the great next stage for Mike's, right? Sure. Of course. <laughs> Cause Mike's, I think was just, 
Yeah, I, Mark Anthony Brands, which yes. owns White yeah, Claw yep. and Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, but what we did is we recently went out and did a, a tasting. I was at a beer festival, beer festival that we hold, and uh, one of our non-brewery partners, a local beer bar, we always invite, and they bring, and they had uh, hard seltzers, and I'm trying them. I'm like. <laughs> Like, well, this is I'm the like, last time we invite you to our party. I'm like, yeah. wow, this is actually excellent, <laughs> right? And I talked to a couple of brewers. They're like, yeah, we're making some. I'm like, so this is a thing? And then I did the research in the market. I'm like, oh, boy. Again, if we're going to appeal, and you know what? They're, the the sell is on it, 100 calories, right? It's, sure. It's, it's, you know, it's appealing to that group. And people that are making it are saying, I, I can't keep it on the tap it's so popular so i'm like if if we're going to be in business and we're going to appeal to more let's put it up against it but let's do it right let's develop it right so we've done a lot of research around it so we're in development of those and it's one of the most cost-effective things <laughs> you can make right? i'll be honest with you yeah it's it's sugar and water it's yeah. it's pretty it great is, yeah uh, when you don't you know, need hot contracts as, for it it's, it's not as nice. simple yeah. as that but it's, it is yeah. it, it literally is sugar all right. In a minute, I'm going to ask you what your hope for beer is. But first, I want to thank our episode sponsors who make this podcast possible. G&D Chillers is ready to meet your chilling challenge. You should download, download the free Tavor app today. Hops Direct has grown hops in Yakima Valley for five generations, so reach out to them. And Clarion Lubricants is the expert you need when it comes to your brewery lubricating needs. Mark Edelson, Iron Hill Brewery Restaurant, all of the many locations. You've been doing this since since the beginning. Do you have a hope for beer going forward? I do. Two. One is that, um, you know, beer over the centuries has been, you know, every man's product right it's it's the beer it's the product of of everybody right? yeah it's in, in certain cultures it's just part of every meal you know and um and, and it has a long history with uh, with americans as well and i hope that that continues as an overall you know i see beer overall declining i see the two brewers at the top bashing each other with uh, you know and that's not good for beer and they know it they can't get step away from some of the marketing people in their sure. organizations, right? And so that's not helping. And so I hope that beer overall continues. I know craft is safe right now, but I hope overall beer continues with that. And I think within the craft market, the, the hope that I hope continues, there's one reason that I got into this industry is that when I started talking to people and talking to people in the industry, uh, the camaraderie and the open bookness of, hey, this is how I do this. Here, here's the recipe kind of thing. We're, this is how we do things. You know, you pick up the phone and call people. Um, I, for example, uh, Hard Seltzer. I've called yeah. four brewers that are telling me exactly how they're making it, including some larger ones. Okay. Right? And, and that's how our industry's always been. You know, let's make the pie bigger and let's not worry about... Um, taking the pie slice from each other and I hope for craft that that continues to be that way Mark Edelson Iron Hill Brewing thanks so much for sitting thanks, down thanks this, for was, uh, this was a lot of fun this yeah. is uh, if you're in any of the 16 locations where Iron Hill has a brewery uh, you should stop by get a burger have a beer 
Uh, thanks again for, 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 for doing this. If you have questions for me, listeners, uh, folks you want to hear on the show, topics you want discussed, uh, I know that there's been some uh, ask for more of the business side of things, so hopefully this uh, podcast helped fill that need a little bit. You can reach out to me at John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at beerandbrewing.com. You can join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. But you should also go to beerandbrewing.com. There you can read all about what's happening in the homebrewing world and the craft beer scene uh, and everything else in between from ingredients to recipes. That's beerandbrewing.com. There you can also subscribe to the print magazine. Please, please, please subscribe to the print magazine. It keeps us going. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks again, Mark, uh, and everybody here at Iron Hill for having us. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.com.